Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Motor City Metrics Podcast here at TigersMLReports.com. I am Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris and Uper. And you can find us on TigersMLReports.com or you listen wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, you name it. There is also iHeartMedia is a thing, too. So if you partake in that, by all means. And also, please check out our friends over at Bleachers to Speakers on our YouTube channel as they go live every Monday night to recap the Lions. In this case, the loss of the Bears. The Bears really beat them in all aspects, deep hmm. defensively, offensively. And so, yeah, you can check them out every Monday night at 630 on our YouTube channel. Also, a show announcement for tomorrow on the minor league side of things. At 2 o'clock, we're going to have J.J. Cooper, the editor-in-chief of Baseball America will be joining us on the Tiger Miley Report channel. And Thursday, we have a special guest, but I'm not telling anybody anything about that. Chris knows who it is. Youper knows who it is, too. <laughs> but uh, more details on that. But it is probably the biggest guest we've ever had on... Obama, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Carey, ladies and gentlemen. No, but uh, <laughs> Thursday, I, I like I said, I don't want to spoil it. Just stay tuned. Thursday night, Friday on the tiger minor league report channel and yeah just it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time so i want to give props also to props to the erie seawolves and their merch department they gave me they sent over the marble defenders hat and they also sent me the howling red dead one as well so the howling red one by the way is on you can grab it right now in this shop so if you go to erie's seawolves shop Grab one of those hats. They always, they've got some really good deals going on, and I'm just promoting them because it's the right thing to do, and they've done a great job promoting us. But if you're looking for something for your baseball fan, you've got this, and you got the red Halloween Diablo one, which I'll pull out here in a second. And oh, check out the Mudhens, too. The Mudhens has got the their Marvel one was really cool. West Michigan has – I still think they have yeah. some of their hats left. So I'll, I'll display those a little here in a little while. Erie had some kind of special jersey I almost got for my son, too, that I still, think I still might get. I know they were running low on them, though. They were black and red. They look really cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the highlights of our trips to Erie is always uh, heading into the merch, uh, you know, the, the, the store. I, we do the same thing in West Michigan. We don't. I don't go into the Mudhen shop as much. Um, they have great stuff too. But yeah, that Erie does such a fantastic job with their designs and their their themed nights and things like that. And West Michigan does too. You know, West Michigan gets a little wacky at times. There was the <laughs> uh, they had the Paw Patrol jerseys and they had the you know, they do the dam breakers as one of their alternate jerseys, and they had the ones that look like waiters for, for fly freshmen. So a lot of fun with that stuff. But, yeah, Erie does a great job. And and every time we go in there, I, I, I'm sending like a half dozen pictures home to my wife to see, okay, what what uh, what works for Harrison? Um, so, yeah, check them out. I'm sure you can order them online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's – sorry, I was getting caught up with uh, answering Detroit Degenerates question. We're going to be trying – we're going to be in Lakeland. So we're going to try to go fund me here shortly in a couple of weeks. Once the holiday season's over, we, our goal is to get down there. I, we already have a place to stay. I already confirmed that. And now it's just getting down there. So yeah, also in the last two years, haven't you, Raj? Yes. Last year was my first spring training, but the last, or this year, I'm sorry. This year was my first spring training. Prior to that, I would, would go with Keen from Tiger minor league tracker and just hang out in Lakeland. Like I would go see games in August. So now that I'm a part of the chapter Detroit chapter of the Baseball Writers Association, ooh, I can go down there and and have no yeah ooh yeah. Um, no. So we're we're trying down. Trust me, Detroit Generate. We're 
we're gonna go down there. If we go down there, it's gonna probably be early because I think in March, early March, I'm traveling for work, I'm traveling to Seattle or I'm sorry, Tacoma in March, and then going to St. Paul in April. So I'm actually traveling for my day job for the first time in quite a long time. So um oh well appreciate that, Detroit Generous. Thank you so much. He said yeah. in the comments he gonna come for a couple hundred bucks, that'd be sweet. So we're I we might I know Chris and I were talking about I was talking about maybe possibly driving down there, but that, that is a lot. But it would probably be a rental yeah, car. Man. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you, you you can drive down there and then you have your car, but yeah. it takes a full day there and back, right? Uh, and or you can fly down there and then you have to rent a car, which is kind of a pain too. And then depending on how long you're down there, that adds up. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Like it's nice to get down there at the beginning of spring training because you get all the drills and all. the stuff and you have a better chance to interview guys but then at the end of spring training is when a lot of the backfield games happen which is more appealing to us as from the minor league side so we may have to uh work something out where we kind of have a crossover where, where we end up you know hanging out for like two days together but also you know Roger's down there for a week and then i'm down there for a week and but I don't, we'll figure it out i i haven't gone the last couple of years but i need to go this year because it's it's about time yeah and so by the way this is the howling the new Howling Wolves one, so please. That's the jersey they have, dude. They got a yeah. jersey like that too. Yeah, the the merch person Christy is a fantastic Great human dog. being, and she will hook you up. And also, this was the 30th anniversary West Michigan hat they had this year. That's a really cool cap. That's probably one of my favorite ones that I collected this year. And so, but yeah, the Marvel series one, the bat and cannon, and all that. Go to the Erie Sea Wolves website and. Tell them the uh, Tiger Miner Report sent them over. But uh, let me get this out of the way real quick, too. All the major sports are in action with the college football playoffs ready to kick off and Florida State getting screwed, however you see that. So if you still want to bet on them, though, bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. So Florida State and Georgia, you want to bet on that? Go for it. Or you want to bet on the Pistons losing 30 in a row because that could be potentially happening. Head to the website today to get on the action and see the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Better line where the game starts. All right. Yeah, <laughs> and we did take a Greyhound down there. I never understood that. When I see a Greyhound route, they're like, like car-wise, it's like 22 hours. Well, like a Greyhound's like two days. <laughs> yeah, Amtrak. I've taken an Amtrak before. My dad used to take the Amtrak to Chicago when he worked in Ford in the 80s. And um, I've taken the Amtrak in Baltimore, too. That was kind of sketchy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's – I wouldn't mind a train. I think trains are cool. I really do. I like the idea of just not having – compare that to a plane where you feel like you're I kind of sardined. I can't imagine what kind of circuitous route we would have to take to get from – you know, Ann Arbor, Detroit to Lakeland, Florida via train. <laughs> it would, I think we'd end up in, we'd been in like Portland, Maine at one point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I never said that. Like, it would be like some sort of like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Midnight Run with Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin, but it would just be something Charles like that. Grodin. Yeah, they somehow, they they ended up in Amarillo, Texas at one point and then ended back in Chicago. So, and by the way, uh, I was confirmed that there is more jerseys on the way, Yoop. So, ah, very nice. So, just as a heads up, yeah, 23% off all Marvel products this week. So, all right, enough plugging and getting into what we want to talk about a little bit. So, the Tigers, we signed Andrew Chafin and Scott Harris spoke to the media today. 
I, I missed the call because I was preoccupied with Thursday because I, I was around the same time I found that out. And I totally blanked out. Oh, my God, I was so excited about her guest for Thursday that I missed the call. It was like 3.30. But anyway, and Harris mentioned him being a high leverage reliever. Of course, that news is the biggest news of all. No, I'm just joking. I mean, the Shoni Otani stuff. <laughs> Gentlemen, let's <laughs> let's get into that because that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the move for Andrew Chafin. Makes a lot of sense. Gives the Tigers a, a veteran lefty and shores up yep. the absence of, I mean, I, I, you know what? I'm going to miss Tyler Alexander only because he can start and do a couple things, but I'm sure they'll find somebody like that eventually. But no, having a familiar face back in the road in the bullpen is good. Yeah, you know it, it's you know it's a it's a one year deal with a second year option, right? Um, and and it's entirely affordable. It was a four and a half for the first yep. year, then maybe six and a half. There, there's some incentives based on innings pitched and stuff like that. Not going to hurt them at all if it doesn't work out. And you know he, he had a a bit of a rough year last year. The main issue was he seemed to be walking more people than usual. Um, and, you know, and I don't think, I don't know, I don't think you just suddenly start walking guys, right? Like if you've, you've thrown a decent amount of strikes in your career, it just seems like something that was probably mechanical. Um, I like the odds of fixing mechanical issues with the, the Tigers pitching crew, uh, you know, Chris Vedder, Nieves, and Robin Lund, I think they do a pretty good job with that. Uh, and, and also, you know, sometimes when you're a pitcher and you start walking guys, especially a reliever, you're walking guys, uh, you, you might be more inclined to just kind of not necessarily you, you don't want to throw fastballs like over the heart of the plate, but sometimes you kind of have to if you're not locating well. And I think yeah, as a reliever, you can basically get your numbers skewed by four or five bad starts and or bad outings, I should say. And I think that happened with Chafin. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was the first time around or as he was with the Cubs before that. But it, it, to me, it, it's just kind of an upgrade over uh, Joey Wentz. Right. Uh, and that isn't to say that, that that's not to say that Joey Wentz won't make the club. Uh, he's out of options. So it's, uh, uh, but, and he's got pretty good stuff. He was okay as a reliever last year, as, as opposed to being a starter. But without signing Chafin or another lefty reliever, Wentz was basically their only other left handed reliever option. It was, it was Tyler Holton and Joey Wentz. That's all, all they have on the 40 man. Cause as, as Raj mentioned, uh, Tyler Alexander's gone. So it's a slight upgrade there, at least. Um, yeah, so I thought it was a fine signing. It's it's you know like a little incremental upgrade, and that seems to be kind of Scott Harris's game. Well, you know, uh, cheap short contracts for the bullpen is the way to go. Um, he's had a run of success in his career where you can squint and and kind of write off the troubles he had last year for a lot of what you just said. I mean, another thing you didn't he might have had a, a small injury that he tweaked for and affected him, but didn't keep him off the mound. But also over the course of a long career, you're talking 50 innings. That's that's it really is such a short, small sample. Uh, I'm not too worried, but that was the first thing that did jump out to me too when I looked yesterday. Uh, why he struggled was the walk rate was significantly higher than his career average. So uh, if they get that calmed down, there's no reason why he can't give them 50 competitive innings next year. Yeah, and and, and actually, oh sorry, Rush. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, when he was with Arizona at the beginning of the year, he actually uh, was striking guys out at a career-high rate. Uh, the walks were up, too, but it, I, I don't know what exactly was going on there, but he was striking out tons of batters. And then he got to Milwaukee, 
yeah. the walks stayed high and then the strikeouts went away. Uh, but it's, you know, 17 innings or something like that. So it's it's hard to hard to know. But he's been a quality left-handed reliever for for many years. So I think it's it's a it's a you know it's a perfectly acceptable minor risk with some moderate reward. Yep. By the way, uh, Todd informed us here in the chat. Ann Arbor to Lakeland is 39 hours and 41 minutes by a track. <laughs> yeah, that's, you got you stop. You're, you're literally taking a left in Albuquerque. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you get to see the country. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it would be fun if you if you've gotten if you're not in a hurry. It might not be bad if you have a sleeper car, but uh... <laughs> just, it just seems like. I can, I can imagine you taking a train, right? And you're heading to Georgia. All of a sudden, you veer off towards Arkansas or whatever the yeah. state is that borders Georgia that I can't think of. Is it Alabama? Alabama. Sorry, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, suddenly go to Alabama for no reason. <laughs> oh, we got to stop at Tuscaloosa. Why? Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. No, but well, and honestly, in all honesty, I think there's some stuff with Wentz that I, I, I still believe in Joey Wentz. I still do. I still think that he has value. He might be better suited out of the bullpen because the third time around when teams, they lit him up the third time around. But I, I think that there's a, with, I think it's probably between the ears with him a little bit personally because he does have the velocity. I mean, we did see it at times where, there's kind of things with like, that I think that are still good with him as an arm wise, but I just think the Tigers still have to figure out a way how to use him. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think once Paul will start the year at Toledo and well, work his way up, he'll he'll need to he'll need to clear waivers or if if that happens because he's out of options. So that's that's one of the oh yeah that's right. Um, and he seems like this, he does have a good arm. Like, you know, we've seen him as a lefty up to 95 or higher. It's got a pretty good change up and a show a decent breaking ball. It just, I just recall, it seemed like uh, multiple times last year, he'd have an outing where he just was absolutely perplexed. He would he'd be like, he, he, he'd throw decent pitches and they'd just get rocked. And he, he like, it was almost like he had been tipping pitches or something. He just had, it seemed like he had no idea what, how he was getting uh, hit so hard. And, and maybe it's just not, uh, not that good of stuff, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be given a chance in spring training, but I, he may be the odd man out now. I don't know. I haven't like really drilled down in the entire bullpen at this point, but, but Chafin gives them a guy that, uh, you know, he's going to probably primarily pitch seventh, eighth innings. Uh, you know, Hinch will use him whenever he feels appropriate. Right. But I can see two, three times next year where maybe. Lang or Foley have been called on to close the game and things don't go right. And then he goes to, to Chafin. Yeah. And I think you can, you can confidently do that as, as, as a guy who he'll, he might close a, a, a game or three during the season. And that's, so it's nice to have another high leverage arm in the bullpen. The more of those you have, the better you are, I think. So um, Harris was talking about more pitching, more pitching, more pitching, right? Can't have enough. He, he gave us all the cliches um, today. Um, do you think they add another bullpen arm or is it going to be a starter? I think it's going to be a starter. I mean, if you're looking at the market right now, it, by the way, uh, before I forget, the Royals signed Seth Lugo to a three-year deal, which is yep. uh, Chris and I were talking about that earlier. We're just yeah. he, he compared to the Gil Mesh, and that was that was a fantastic yeah. comp. <laughs> it, it, well, it just that's just kind of what it reminded me of. It reminded me of 
the Royals have this tendency to, to go sign like a number four starter and make them a number two or number one. Uh, but that's not entirely different than what the Tigers did with Kenta Maeda, really. It's, yeah. you know, he's going to be probably the number two starter to begin the year. He might be the number four by the end of the season. But, um, I mean, I thought it was a solid signing for the Royals. That, that that's He's been a guy who's kind of an up arrow next to his name. I know he's like 34. And I think they maybe had to – I assume he went there because they were giving him more years or more money than anybody else. I would but um, so. it's also, you know, if he pitches well, that's not a hard contract to trade at all. And and we saw what they did with our oldest Chapman. You know, people didn't want to touch our oldest Chapman. And they signed him, and then they traded him, and they got possibly their ace for yeah. him, which was uh, a great return. So uh, I, I kind of like that for the Royals. It's a little bit perplexing for Seth Lugo, but, you know, you go where you, go where you get the money, right? I think they were going to sign uh, Chris Stratton, too, the, the reliever today. Was might be happening. Yeah. Uh, I think they gave Gil Mesh five years, didn't they? Back in the day, I, it was like five you know, for fifty-five I, or something. Yeah, something, something like that. But, yeah. I, but I, I was talking to Raj because, like, he actually pitched fairly well for the first two seasons of that. He was, he was really more of like a, an innings eater. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it worked out okay. And then I think he, I don't know if he broke down or something like that. But, but it just, it felt, it, it felt like a Gil Mesh shining to me. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's been good. like fifteen years since that happened, but it just popped in my head. What was the because then end up happening was is that they brought back what was the Bruce Chen because that was around the, 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 the Bruce, Bruce Chen, Chen era where somehow he always came back and that guy was always a tiger killer Paul Bird Paul Bird oh Paul oh. Bird oh Paul Bird, <laughs> Paul Bird. Well, so here's the thing though and people I don't think the gap between the Royals and the Tigers is is nearly as wide as as maybe Tigers fans would like to think mm. and as wide as the last year's records uh, may have indicated. Because they're, they're kind of similar as teams, honestly. You know, the Royals have a young star in Bobby Wood Jr. Superstar. And uh, and Pasquatino is going to be coming back. And they've got that, you know, the, the top of the rotation starter. And they've got Brady Singer is okay. It's like a number four-ish. So I, I think they, they maybe don't have, like, you know, the, the depth the Tigers have, which is saying something because the Tigers don't have a lot of depth. But <laughs> but you could, you could make the case that the Royals, uh, you know, the Central's just wide open right now. You know, anybody – Going for it a little bit, you you catch some luck, you might win the division with 85, 86 wins. So, I, I good for the Royals for for spending some money. Yeah, I was gonna say for all intensive purposes, that's it. Just helps out the overall competitive because they're gonna they're spending money. Meanwhile, imagine being Cleveland for a second here. You're not spending any money. You you will not you you refuse <laughs> to spend money. And they, it's kind of embarrassing when the Royals are going out there and doing that. And they tried to, I, I, you know what? I'm on record to say, I fully admit this, that their route of drafting pitching, I thought would work out better than the Tigers. And sure enough, I was wrong. And Royals? Royals? Yeah. Or the or Cleveland? Ro- the Royals, rather. And yeah. so they're, they're addressing it now. At least they're addressing it now. As far as names that are out there that are left, Jordan Montgomery is a name I, I, for, for some strange reason between Jordan Montgomery and Michael Waka. I feel like one of those names could end up as a tiger. I only say that because I think having Jordan Montgomery gives them another a lefty or if they don't get uh, the Japanese pitcher. Imanaga, which I love. That would be awesome. The Tigers yeah. really like him a lot, but so does every other team in, you know, every other team out there. So. I, everything you know, it looks like Montgomery's price tag. Just every time I see an article, it goes up a little. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I just don't know if the Tigers are going to play in that in that ballpark. Yeah, if I think if you're Montgomery's agent, uh, I don't know who it is. You're probably pushing for the same contract uh, that Erod got. Uh, sure. You know, yeah. he's got he's got uh, experience pitching in New York and in the World Series and you know stuff like that. And and he's lefty and he's pitched well. Now I I think Jack Flaherty. We think the Tiger we, we think the Tigers are in on on Imanaga, uh, but beyond that, I don't expect them. If they don't get him, and you know that does seem kind of like a, a long shot at this point, um, I think you're right. You, you mentioned Jack Flaherty. I think it's going to be one another Michael Lorenzen one year kind of reclamation project style. I, I I keep coming back to Alex Wood all the time. I don't know <laughs> if that was uh, he was he was uh, you know he had a funny tweet about watching the Otani saga and like how he was like you know refreshing his Twitter feed every twenty seconds, just trying to find out what was going on. So, uh, but. Yeah, I think it's going to be a Flaherty type, uh, somebody who who they think they can fix up a little bit and maybe get a decent return on, or maybe uh, you know just just make them a quality back end starter. So, but I do think they're going to sign another arm. Yeah, and the, the there is I will say with Tiger Town shares what a lot of fans are thinking that they should spend more, but looking at the arms that are excuse me that are left, I think. The Tigers, like for example, like Flaherty would be a good reclamation project, like you mentioned, Chris. Michael Lorenzo himself, if they brought him back, yeah. Waka, Waka, same. Like to me, I'd rather go with somebody. Like if you would be interesting for the rotation, I know it probably will not happen because this probably ask for commanding too much would be Marcus Stroman. I think Marcus Stroman would be a good different. I don't see that happening, but I think Marcus Stroman would be a. That would be kind of a. I would really upgrade the rotation quite a bit. That moves the needle. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of these other things they, that to me doesn't move the needle much at all. That would move the needle a little bit because he's capable of a Cy Young light kind of season. I'm not saying he would win one, but he could have a kind of guy who'd be put on the list late in the season of getting votes. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, says Lucas Giardolito, but I think the White Sox are asking too much for him. And I, I look. Well, well, he's free agent. Oh, free agent. Yeah, free agent. yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. He remember he Sorry. went. To, he it was a weird one. Remember he went from the White Sox to the Angels, and then the Angels put him on waivers, and, and Cleveland took him. That's right. Uh, and um, but yeah, he's Who another am I thinking guy. Of who that, the White Sox have then? Who am I thinking of that? John Blank. Cease. Cease. Still in cease. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it. It's. I don't know. It is an interesting situation that they have right now because it just it doesn't feel to me like the Tigers are looking for a multi year deal. For the other pitchers who are available, the Montgomery, Stroman, uh, Snell, those are probably, and they probably, might be missing somebody other than Imanaga, and, you know. Uh, but um, there's no, there's no real reason not to, other than they just they have kind of the small handful, small handful, I guess handfuls five, um, a small group of, of of pitchers on the cusp of the big leagues or already. At the big leagues, you know, Gibson Long, Olsen, Madden, Flores, Montero, all these guys. Job probably comes up at some point this year, if, mm-hmm. if not uh, next year. So it, it's a little bit reminiscent of, of kind of their situation at second base, third base, where they could add one of these guys, but they don't necessarily want to block anyone who, who might bring them cheaper value and or more trade value if they get some experience in the big leagues. I, I, I'm, I'm, Less convinced of that from the pitching side, you know, you can, you know, you could always use more pitching and it's got Harris said as much. So I, I guess I shouldn't dismiss that offhand 
right now. I just, um, it's just one of those things. I, I don't know. It was a tig Tiger Town, you know, about Illich spending more money. There's just nobody's nobody from a position standpoint to spend money on this year. It's just it's not good. It's not a good crop of hitters outside well, of Matt Chapman. You're not going to spend a lot of money on anybody. There's a guy on the market who had a 341 on base percentage last year with 36 homers. Crickets about him. Bell Bellinger? No. no. Who am I thinking of? Real Jr. JD Martinez? No. no. Justin Turner, who had 36 home runs last year. Think about in space. Space uh, Astros. The blank system. Uh, <laughs> Alpha Centauri. Yeah. Jorge Soler. The oh, Soler. Team. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that is interesting because he is he is a he's a right-handed too. Yeah. Pretty much a DH. You can put him in the outfield, right-handed power. But that's the guy I think that people are expecting. You know, the Marlins didn't didn't give him a qualifying offer, right? Or did they? And he turned it down. I think they. I'm not. I can't I remember, remember if they. Oh no he uh, he 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 opted out of his last deal of the year. He left. He opted out for his last his final year of his contract. Yeah, I, I don't think they gave him. I, I'm not saying he's a star, and I'm not saying they should even go get him for sure. But when you think about it, a 341 on base with 36 dingers. You would think there's a market. It work there. just fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, you would find it pass for that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that. I mean, that's I wouldn't hate it. Uh, right. It just depends on, on. I'm sure he's looking for a multi-year deal. I don't know if he's ever had any kind of multi-year deal. And you know, he came up with the Cubs, right? Uh, when when yeah, Scott Harris was there, so they, there may be some familiarity there. I, I don't know. That's an interesting name. You you don't hear much. That's that's a good point. You. Yeah, that yeah that is a name that's been relatively quiet because a lot of the. The Otani contract's been taking up the headlines, and obviously, so we'll get to that here shortly. But yeah, there's not even like Corey Bellinger too. That's a name that's been relatively quiet too. That there's not been much discussion about that. And I, I know that every once in a while, Clayton Kershaw gets mentioned, but I mean, at this point, he's either gonna be a, just a, a veteran signing at this point, whether it goes to Texas or goes back to LA. I, I will say this. Agree. I think the Dodgers are going to get Yamamoto. I mean, they're, he he talked to him. There was reports today that they, he landed in Los Angeles. He was talking to him. That the Dodgers need pitching. They're not. I don't think the Dodgers are done by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And they're going to go with a a name. I think they're going to go with the name. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was distracted by what Ninja Deadly Ninja B said. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is said, that what it looks like stuff? Yeah. Is Brown still at a black site? I have most of my lights <laughs> on. I just don't want to have the light on here because it's too bright. But yeah. You know. Um, but uh I was distracted by that. But no, but I, I think the Dodgers are going to either potentially trade for an arm or I mean they could be in the Dylan C sweepstakes too. That's a team that maybe comes out of nowhere was, for that. Yeah, I mean they were connected to Glasnow too, which makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because then he could be closer to his uh, doppelganger. Why wouldn't they go get two guys? You know, why not? Murphy? Yeah. No, they will. I think they will. Yeah. I think yeah. that they've got Bobby Miller, but uh, I think Dustin May may be coming back from injury later in the year. Walker Bueller should be coming back. There's some talent there, but you never know with guys coming back from injuries. You talk about that all the time with, like, Casey Mize. Uh, yeah, Yamamoto, I think, would be a fit. It's You assume he would want to play with Otani? You don't know, though. I guess there, there could be something where, like, I want to make my own mark. 
but it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if he signs with them. And then, and then you know, you sign him, trade for Glass now, and suddenly you have a pretty formidable rotation. Somebody stalked his Instagram, and apparently he liked. He's following Mookie Betts and Shoney Otani. <laughs> so there's people out there that do this. I mean, I, I, no. I, I, I mean, that, then again, we can't talk because we just did that. Chris I, just did that recently with uh, a Tiger signing a. Yeah, I, I hate to do that. I, I don't like to do that to like find out what minor leaguers are doing or you know what, what's happening in their personal lives. But get married, I don't care about that. When when with the international signings, uh, and I think you know it used to always be you go to MLB Pipeline or Baseball America and they'd say, oh, so and so is uh, interested in the Dodgers, which meant that he'd already signed a deal with the Dodgers, right? Like <laughs> it used to always, and I think for whatever reason, Pipeline stopped doing that. They're like they don't say that anymore, uh, but with like. 15, 20 guys in the pipeline, top 50 international list, they're just wearing like an Atlanta Braves hat. <laughs> You're like, okay, I think he's going to sign with the Braves. And so <laughs> I just went through the rest of those top 50 guys looking for, just looking at their Instagram. Like, okay, are any of these guys? And, and the, yeah, the one kid was wearing a Tiger's hat, a tiger shirt, a tiger shorts. I'm like, okay, I, I think he's going to sign with the Tigers. Yeah. It, and Nestor Miranda, there may be another signing or two. I was just... I just felt like something that was easy enough to do that didn't, I don't know, maybe it's creepier to do that with these kids, but I felt like if, they, if that's their profile picture, it's probably a decent guess that they're going to be signing. So, absolutely. Um, but again, I'll, that usually, you know, we, we talk about these guys when they sign and then we don't hear from them for another three years. Yeah. And not to mention, I mean, we are in the business of providing updates about the minor league. So anything we can pass on yeah. and beat some people to the punch by all means, that's what we'll do. And so, that's why or yeah you, you got to be a sleuth i mean there's it, that's why when it comes to the top 30 and, and again you want to talk about why we have our list we'll, we'll talk more about that on the minor league side of things but there is a method to the madness to everything so so uh, go ahead uber with otani two million dollars per year nothing illegal about it Just people are saying it's not fair it's got to be fixed and maybe it does yeah. need to be fixed in the next go round of the of the uh, collective bargaining, but right now it's totally legal. Really, a masterstroke for the Dodgers, right? I mean, this—I mean, it's beyond a grand slam for them. Uh, they just—they have to be just stoked about this. Well, apparently the Giants were in on Otani too, but they instead went and got their second target, which has one of the best baseball names of all time, Hung Ho Lee, the Korean outfielder. Hung Ho Lee. Yes, that, that's seriously one of that is. <laughs> <laughs> He's I have, I, the fact that I'm impressed that I slowed down enough not to stutter his name, I'm all taken back because that's how cool his name is. <laughs> Hung yeah. Ho Lee. Signed I, I, to a six-year deal with an option out, out after four. 113 million, I think about 18, yeah. 19 so, million a year, which yeah. is that's, that's, that's a lot for a guy that, Korean guy. That's a lot of money. That's I, pretty it cool. has to be. I would assume yeah. like like at least from from his initial contract, I think Shinsu Chu ended up with a pretty sizable contract from the Rangers, but I don't know if that was I don't even know more than that. But um, yeah, that's that's a that's an iffy one because the projections there are he sounds like more of like a, a contact, average power, average speed type of hitter, uh, and then San Francisco is not a great place for hit for, hit for power. So, but uh, yeah, I mean that, that was a fun contract. But yeah, the the Otani thing. I, I agree with you. Like, like when that happened, I was like, I feel like something's going to change at the next CBA. But I, I like for the life of me, I couldn't figure out who would be pushing for it because the players, I, I don't think the players, maybe 
maybe the player side, like, hey, this is this is you're not getting his full value. But again, like people have worked it out. And, you know, if you I don't know how you exactly term it, but, you know, sixty eight million dollars in twenty thirty three is the equivalent of like forty six million dollars this year, they think yeah. something like that. So he's still getting like four hundred and sixty million dollars. Right. Um so it's not like the player is getting shortchanged and the owners, I, I don't think they hate the idea of kicking the can down the road. I mean, it's a pretty significant can. I think the Dod- even the Dodgers may feel that $68 million payday uh, in, in 2033 or 2034 or whatever it is. But uh, depending then, on you know, what teams they- do that, it could be a different owner paying it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it wouldn't shock me at all if, if you know, we've seen it. the value of these sports teams just keeps going up year I by mean- year. It's, you know, yeah, I was just gonna say the like look at Magic Johnson who's part owner of the Dodgers. He just now I think he's part of a leadership group that bought the commanders, I believe. They're yeah. okay. They're I mean, I some of the people that run the Dodgers financially, they're fine. I like Magic Johnson, his life after basketball is one of the most interesting or fascinating things mm-hmm. of wealth. He had a mo- I didn't even know he had a movie theater chain because it was oh, never yeah. out this way. It's all out in the West Coast, apparently. Spun that, made a ton of money off that. All his investments just boomed. And he is, like Michael Jordan, same thing. He has made more money off endorsements and spurned that into more money than he ever did in his playing career. And I think, you know, for anybody who's going to hate on the Dodgers, including our friend of the show, Chris Russo, that, you know, to get their head examined, whatever. Look, the bottom line is the Dodgers looked at the fine print and took advantage of it. It's that simple. And um, there is a, you know, I think, is it bad for baseball? I Look, I don't think it is because, well, in, in, okay, in two ways I look at it this way. It, it does the bigger market teams get greedier and the smaller market gets smaller. But at the same time, in terms of a competitive balance, some of these small market teams are not doing jack shit, pardon my language, but they're not. Some of them are not doing anything. And the bigger market teams are outspending them. Yes, all that. But look at look at a team like Tampa, for example. Tampa doesn't spend a lot of money because they can't afford to. Cleveland, same thing. They turn out and they're, they're competitive every year. It's not good enough for some of the fans because you're right. Sometimes, or excuse me, it's not good for the fans sometimes because they get so close but they don't win it. I mean, any the Indians, the Guardians came close, lost to the Cubs. And the Cubs were due. But what I think the reason why I think it's also good for like uh, maybe a team, perhaps like a team like a small market team could consider this idea. Who knows, Uber? I, I don't I don't know if they're, they're gonna do something like that. And this is where old BK comes in, and this is where this this exactly it. He bought the team for 85 million now, they're worth 1.4 billion. They're not hurting. I, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna do this generic. Well, they're worth this. It's because worth there's so many things that go into worth but but you have to wonder youper in certain like in terms of if it's whether it's bad for baseball in a sense imagine being a team like the pirates or cleveland at this point mm-hmm. and looking at that going bro what'd you just do to us man now we gotta do something yeah you know here's the thing shohei otani was never gonna go to pittsburgh anyway right he was never right. going to go to Minnesota. He was never going to go to Oakland or Tampa or, you know. So 
he ended up in a team we all thought he might end up with anyway. <laughs> uh, they could have easily, if the Dodgers wanted to write a check for $70 million per season starting today for Otani, they could have done it. And, you know, they'd be no worse for the wear, but they might say that limits our ability to do other things. But they could have done it without question. So they just found a better way uh, to get it done uh, in a way that they can probably even build a better team. Now, for if, if, if we're taking the Pirates or the Tigers or whoever as, as uh, a team that wanted to do something like this, you know, it really becomes what does ownership want to invest? What do they want to be on the hook for down the line? Uh, how urgent do they want to compete right now where they could offer someone a, a deal like this? Um, you know, it, it comes down to ownership. The Guggenheim Group in Los Angeles they want to win, and they want to do what's necessary to win, and they know they have the money to win. Uh, but with all that said, they won one World Series, right? So it's not like it's a given. Yeah, you know, I, I think Otani, I mean, we could worry about this happening a bunch, right? And, and the Dodgers signing a dozen different guys uh, for $2 million a year and then having a $800 million payroll 10 years from now. I don't think that's going to happen. I think if these sorts of deals backfire, I don't think teams will give them out. I think um, Otani is a very special case where he also seems just like a, like a, a really different kind of guy, if you will. Like, um, you know, the, I think Tom Verducci, possibly the last non-AI writer for Sports Illustrated, yeah. uh, wrote, a, wrote, wrote an article <laughs> about... Do we know that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, the hair, it looks fake. Yeah. Um, uh, Otani really wanted to know, like he, he was really interested in, in the Dodgers farm system and wanted to know how much talent they had coming down the road. Like he, he really seems like a guy who just cares about winning world series and championships and having the best chance to do that. Now, obviously he's getting paid a ton of money too. Right. Sure he cares about that, but, but it seemed like he also went to the, and that's where the Dodgers have always had the advantage, right? Is that they have all this money and they have top-notch scouting and player development. And a really good major league roster right now. So, so I don't know. I, I don't think every player is going to be like that. Maybe I, I don't see Juan Soto signing a deal like this. I'll say that. Yeah. I think he's gonna he's gonna go. It wouldn't shock me if he resigns with the Yankees, but he's gonna go to the highest bidder, and he's probably gonna want as much money as he can get right now. Um, right. And that's what most players are gonna be like. I, I think I not. I'm not trying to disparage uh, Juan Soto at all. I'm just saying Otani is just a little bit different. I think. Yeah, and what makes them interesting too about Otani. The the one thing I will say that about about this too, the Dodgers. Let's go, Uper. You can attest to this too. The the Dodgers have been good at player development for decades. Not just it's not a recent thing. No, I mean you talk about three rookies in three rookie of the years in the nineties. And I used to know this is four. a question. Four, four, four in a row. Right? It, okay, so wait, was it? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, hold on. One was so it was uh, Eric Caros. Mike Piazza, he, Nomo, Piazza was the first. and then Raul Manasi. I don't know the there's order. Also, there's a fifth, Todd Hollinsworth. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. No. But the no, other four were right. The I got the other four right. Yeah, I got the other four yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Let me look at the let me, let me look at these rookie of the years. Okay. But, uh, Uper, this is, a, this is an organization that was in Latin America early on. You're talking, oh, yeah. and the O'Malley's were notoriously – penny pinchers and until when they were ownership until then 
the the I think it was Frank was it Frank McCourt that took over in the nineties? Yes. Yeah, he and then the then he spent money. Magnate. Yeah, and then the, the they spent a lot of money, and then it just went frivolous. But the Dodgers for like maybe two seasons in the two thousands lost their way with player development, but went back to that formula because they know how to do it better outside of maybe the, I would say the Cardinals. I mean, historically speaking, the Dodgers have always been really good at that. Well, it's funny you say that, right? Dodgers and Cardinals, who do they have? go way back in time? Who do they got in common? Oh, Walter Romero. Tricky. You got Red, Tricky. Red Tricky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and it's so, yeah. it's so amazing that he, basically started both of the the traditions there and uh, it's just it's carried on to this day in in, in one shape or, or another so i'm uh, looking yeah, and 92 way, was eric carlos eric carlos okay 93 was piazza 94 was mondesi 95 was nomo 96 was hollandsworth it was broken wow. up by scott Rowland of the phillies and i feel like they did they get another one didn't rick sutcliffe win a rookie of the year there like in the 80s, oh, boy, I thought Southcliffe was or was Southcliffe on the Cubs or he was out on the Cubs after he left LA. I think he came up with yeah. the Dodgers. I'm looking, I'm looking. We got, yeah, at what point, Valenzuela, yeah, Steve Howe, yeah. So they had a three year run with Sutcliffe in 79, Howe yeah. in 80, and Valenzuela in 81. <laughs> it's insane. And this is here's the thing about that, those crazy Dodger teams in the late 70s, they would develop their starters through the bullpen. So David Stewart, who ended up being successful in Oakland and Toronto. Mike Moore, or I'm sorry, not Mike Moore, uh, Bob Welsh. Mm-hmm. Bob Welsh was a guy, uh, he was a park native, rest in peace. Also, Eastern, he was he went to the same school Chris did, Eastern Michigan. That's right. Yeah, he's a former Hurons. Huron. Yeah, Hurons, Hurons. Not, not an eagle, Hurons. But uh, <laughs> no, and something that Michael brought up too in the chat, and OBK said it again, Otani does have rubber streams the other teams don't. Yeah, and that's going to help him down the line, and that's going to help the Dodgers. But he's you're not also, hurting for money at all. Yeah, he's not hurting for money. But also, if you think about it too, in a from a from a standpoint of the specific the Pacific West, the the West Coast period, that is always been a very popular area for Japanese Americans. I mean, throughout sure. throughout time. So. Like Otani is basically LeBron James, Taylor Swift combined in Japan, right? Like, yes, anything he does in Japan is gonna make him tons and tons of money. So, as I said, he's he's kind of a unique player, kind of a unique one, and 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 a really fun. It was a very fun saga to track over this weekend. You know, John Paul Morosi had a rough one. He uh, he may have gotten used by agent or maybe been fed some bad info uh, by somebody else, uh, but. In the end, uh, I, I mean, people will remember that and they'll make fun of them. But in the end, uh, I, I don't know, just the, the the scoop game has always been iffy to me anyway. Like, there's there's not a whole lot of upside to it. And, and the downside is this, getting made fun of for weeks and years on end. But uh, It'll be worse in Toronto for him. His name is going to yeah, be blood no, in Toronto I, I mean, that's got to be really rough for a Toronto Blue Jays fan is to, to think that you had Otani coming and and yeah. having lots of uh, you know reporters say so and then having the, the rug pulled out from under you. But now that's sports, man. I've, I've go ahead. I just I've been there. It's, I used to follow college football recruiting uh, pretty closely, and that ah. that happened a lot. And then I eventually stopped following it because I'm like, you know what? Just wait till they actually get on campus and perform. Uh, so I will say, I was say about Scherzer. 
you think about Max Scherzer when he left De- Detroit, right? He, he goes to the to the Nationals. A big chunk of his money was deferred. But yeah. I don't think it was much more than maybe, what do you think, like 30% of it each year, something like that? I, like I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, he wanted the $200 million deal, right? That was his, his yeah. threshold. And he got 210. Yeah, but I, I do think, and it was, what, six years, seven years? Um, I think ten yeah. ten million of it each year was was deferred or something like that. So yeah, I could um, see more teams going to that. At the time when that happened, I thought that would start being the coin of the realm, and that would be happening more and more. But uh, it didn't for a while. But now the word deferral has come back to us, and I'm just wondering, you know, if if it, if, if these deals start to happen, if they're more along the Scherzer line, because not everybody's going to want to play for two million a year. Before it's like the Nats were into that, the Nats were very into that, and they I think they even offered. Maybe even a Harper and Soto deals like that. By the way, you know what's funny? Somebody mentioned in the chat about a boom about being mentioned. Jeter Downs going to see he was DFA today. I actually had it in my notes that he was DFA'd. That would be interesting as a second baseman for depth purposes. Jeter but, Downs? Yeah, Jeter Downs, who was let go by the Washington by Washington. By the way, the national signed uh, Nick Sandell recently. So but I, what yeah. I found interesting, uh, I'm sorry about Chris. Oh, nothing. It, it just you know, Jeter Downs makes me think of of the Mookie Betts trade, uh, which you know Verdugo, Jeter Downs. Who else do they get? Uh, um, anybody? I mean that that I don't know. That's that's what I'd be I'd be endlessly upset if I was a Boston Red Sox fan that that we had to get rid of Mookie Betts because of money. Yeah, um, when they basically it's comical printed. to me. Yeah. yeah, that was that's such a weird deal. But the, what what it was strange was Bob Nightingale. By the way, is a hypocrite because he was sitting there calling <laughs> the whole thing about oh the journalists were acting in haste. I mean, this is the same guy who reported that when somebody from the Mets, I forgot who it was, that he reported wrong. So he's been on that train too. So it's the fact that Bob Nightingale was even speaking about it and people were looking for him and opinion about it was just laughable to me because I, mean, I think everybody outside of Passon somehow, uh, when he's not being hacked by some sort of weird, uh, you know, ethernet coin count account, uh, has gotten one wrong. You know, John Heyman had, I think Aaron judge to the giants before he signed with the Yankees. And which is again, like, like that scoop game, it, it's, you're bound to get got at some point. Uh, and and the, the, I don't know. I, I just I don't see the value in, in having it before everybody else by like two minutes or thirty Agreed. seconds or something like that. Yep. But but uh, you know, fans fans who get the player are always super excited about it. So there's that. But I don't know. You know, like you know, Nightingale is is famous for getting things wrong. Yeah, and that, that's not to say, like again. It's 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 really deep water to be swimming, and it's tough to do that and and you have to work really really hard just to get even kind of iffy information and, and nightingale uh he's fine right but like it is a little bit sweet hearing a lecture from him on on, on how the media should be re- uh, behaving for things like this because he's part of it he's part of the same churling waters yeah he does the same thing yes he does a predatory thing and i, I like steven's comment here in the chat, a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. Time value of money. Well, Tony has made it clear he wants to win the championship more than money. Celebrate this. Celebrate the superstar who thinks this way. I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. Again, hey, we, we look. I, 
and also for anybody again this is where like it was funny i'm somebody saying oh it's just too much money it's not your money so why do you care this is going to ruin baseball the same stuff that people said when alice rodriguez signed that massive deal no one you know what's funny is like i don't remember when Aaron judge signed that deal last year no one made a big to do about that I think well, he went back to the same team. That that, yeah. but no, it's it's always been the it's the same thing that people said when Daryl Strawberry signed with the Dodgers. It's the yeah. Same thing people said when Reggie Jackson signed with the Yankees back in like what seventy seven or something like that. I don't. Yep. Um, it, the 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 dollar values are astronomical, and, and ordinary people can't fathom them. But you know, ordinary people can't hit the ball four hundred and seventy feet and throw hundred miles an hour. You know, Tony can. <laughs> So tough break for us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just the way it goes. So I don't know. Like it's the same with every other sport, right? Like we see these quarterbacks making sixty million dollars a year. LeBron James yeah. is making fifty plus million dollars a year. Like they, they all make a ton of money because they are terribly entertaining people. Like we love these sports. They they it's a billions of dollars that move through gambling and merchandise and all this stuff, and they're the beneficiaries and good for them. What is it? Rock or was it the Mark Cuban is building a gambling facility in Dallas? Like he sold the Mavericks and mm-hmm. he still has maintained some sort of level of control and he's building like a gambling palace in Dallas. I mean, the, the gambling is becoming a thing. We just did a sponsor. Thanks for our friends at Bet Online, by the What's way, bet? of course. Bet <laughs> Thanks, Bet Online. We we love you. Bet Online. No, but yeah. <laughs> they won't take your thumbs. Yeah, they won't take your thumbs. Um, but they it's one of those things where I even the amount of money that's being thrown around by now, I'm just so used to it. I've just become, if, if again, it's not my money, does it affect tickets, prices, and everything? Yeah, and, and football does, especially the luxury taxes and everything, but the game is really good to watch at home. I, I Honestly, I mean, outside of covering the game, like going to minor league game is one of my favorite things to do, obviously. I mean, if you look behind me, but <laughs> but it's still it's the game it's you know they're gonna be baseball still hasn't get their shit excuse me they have to get their stuff together when it comes to streaming the game there's a lot of things baseball still needs to do and they haven't even gotten close to that so but uh i did want to move on a couple of signings go ahead no 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 no. it's it's fine oh what was i gonna say oh i i was just i i i feel like baseball has been better than the other sports in terms of media stuff um, going back to you know the Google film room or whatever like mm-hmm. I was explaining to my buddy the other day like if you want to you you can go find any individual pitch from like the last six years just a single pitch if you want to uh, which you can't do it, it, with NBA or NFL or NHL you can't go and find every single play that, that you need to and MLB advanced media was way ahead of the curve. They sold billions of dollars to Disney. That's how Disney Plus is here. So I think baseball has done a good job with that, despite having this elderly fan base. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, my buddy was the same one I was telling this to. He's like, you know, I just don't see baseball. And I'm like, here's the thing. Baseball has the oldest fan base, which means they have the richest fan base. So, I mean, we can worry about the fan base going away, but, uh, you know, they have the most money to spend. So I think baseball is okay in that regard. And, And, you know, they do need to figure out the RSN thing and all that stuff. But I, I don't think – I think that, that they have – as much as we hate Rob Manfred and, and what he's done to the game and stuff, I think he's on top of that aspect. I think he's not going to let people not be able to see the games. Right. And, yeah. and they'll figure – and knowing him, he'll figure out a way to make more money 
whatever with whatever they come up with because that's by, his main goal. By the way, in terms of baseball or viewership, you're talking about the average age. And I think it's changing now, though. WWE wrestling, the average age was about the same as baseball, 50. Because it was really? the same. Yeah, because what it was is that fans that grew up with the team, that grew up with the wrestlers in the 70s and 80s, still follow it to this day. And they're wrestling is trying to get a younger fan base, which they're what they're trying to do now with NBC buying WWE and all that. There, there's some there's some definitely some logistics with that, but that's what baseball struggling with. The same problem as WWE is. So if, I, I know when I first saw that study, it was a media study that I read last year at a seminar I was at for marketing. It was, it was blowing my mind. Uh, Chad wants to know any word on when we're getting help to the Tigers lineup. Yes. <laughs> and OBK answered the question pretty well. I nothing from Chad from the, from the, I listened to a little bit of the audio today from the press conference from Scott Harris. I think they're going to go after pitching and unless a miracle happens bat wise that I don't think they're going to get a bat. I don't think they are. I think they're going to be going with what they have and let the prospects fight for positions. So, Ooh. you know, yeah, I mean, go ahead. You. Yeah, go they, ahead. Had a be- they had a better offense last year than the year before. Obviously it could not have been worse, but it still wasn't good. You know, it's, it's not like they were an no, offensive no. behemoth that they're bringing back. They're, they're counting on a lot of things to go right to put a competitive offense out there again. Um, and just saying you added Mark Canna to it. Okay, that's nice, I guess. But, you know, if Riley Green doesn't come back full full strength and Torkelson doesn't take a step forward, if he just plateaus where he is, which is fine, but still you want him to get better. I don't know. The, the fact that they're going to leave this lineup alone and just try to plug kids into it and uh, hope for the best – I really have some issues. I, I got to say, because, you know, now you're talking, you're burning year three of green and Torkelson. Now they're a year closer to, to uh, uh, free agency. And uh, are you really, do you really expect to win this year? Maybe they can maybe make, you know, make a run at the division, but they're not a world series team by any stretch. Not saying that they could go into free agency and Jorge Soler is going to make them a free a World Series team, but it could be a, a team that could win a playoff series, maybe. Yeah, I mean that that that's my counter argument, I guess, is is that the options aren't there. Yeah. Are not uh, any. I'm not any more confident in Gio Urshela or Tim Anderson or uh, Donovan Solano sure. than I am in. Um, you know, McKinstry, Abanez, and Colt Keith, and J.C. Young, possibly, and, and, and Justin Henry Malloy. Like, I, 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 I feel like you know, and, and I agree. It's, it's you can't just rely on rookies and and think they're all going to work out, or think that all your young players are going to take a step forward. We've seen plenty of times where that doesn't happen, but it, it's just like it's just not a good crop to go and and try to buy some wins. I, um, yeah, like you said, you know, there are there are players who who could help you for sure, like. Uh, you mentioned Solera, like that's uh, that would be fine. <laughs> a lot of power, and, and uh, the only issue is like, you know, how many years do you have to sign him, and how confident are you that he's going to produce at the level that that you need? Uh, I, I just, I don't know. It, it it is a it's it's a kind of a balancing act. I do I feel like if they go out there and perform well, and the young guys are showing promise, 
then they're in a position to then buy at the trade deadline and they will have some other prospects that they could can uh, move to potentially do that uh, and depending on how much they want to buy you know they've got they'll probably head into the year with four top 100 prospects yep. uh, and I think only I think Colt Keith will probably be the only one who is playing regularly in the big leagues this year so you got you know you could package mm. two top 100 prospects if you need to and go out and get yourself a star you could. theoretically yeah and that and you know what here's the thing if you're gonna quote unquote earmark bats for the prospects, actually follow through with it because they didn't do that last year. I mean, I'm sorry, I, I, you, you're not gonna convince me that you had those at bat set for Andre Lipsius. I mean, they, the Tigers, really this year, Cole Keith, there's no Cole Keith to me. There's nothing left for him to prove. Honestly, I think for him to there, we can't assume he's gonna be the everyday starting second baseman. But he has shown he raked in Erie. He raked in Toledo. Where else can he go? Hits lefties. Yeah, hit lefties. Position-wise, again, he is challenged. I get it. But if you're not going to put him at third, you at least have a solution for you yourself at second base with Andy Ibanez right there as well. That's what you want to do. If Again, the, the long-term solution, if you're going to put Matt Verling as a spark plug for third base, you still don't have a long-term solution at third. No matter, I mean, in the farm system right now, Chris, I mean, we were, we just did our top 30. And on the left side of the infield, I mean, people talk about assuming that Young's going to be a third. He still hasn't played third at a big, at a, at a level yet. I mean, he's played at Arizona Fall League. Yeah, he played, and he only played like five games of third base in the right. Arizona Fall League. Like, like <laughs> I, I, we're, we're assuming a lot of things. Now, he does have solid hands and, and, now the, his manager in the Arizona Fall League was talking about his arm strength and said like, "Oh, he could be a pitcher." I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I've I've never thought of his arm as being that particularly strong, but yeah, who knows? I'm not I'm not the Arizona Fall League manager, uh, but I think you know a lot of you got to remember that the Tigers gave a lot of at bats last year to Zach McKinstry and Miguel Cabrera and Nick Maton and Jonathan Scope and. Obviously, not everybody on their current roster is going to produce at a high level, but but you have to believe that these guys have more potential than than what those guys put up last year. So, you know, they may end up twenty eighth or twenty seventh or whatever it was in, in OPS and run scored, as OPK said. But I, I, you just assume that they're they're kind of they've gotten rid of some chaff, right? And and I, I think that they're going to be better. It's just a matter of how much better can they be with without making any giant splashes uh which would probably have to be via trade right because as we talked about that just the, the free agents aren't there yeah that's where i mean you're looking at i mean just g give an example of a guy who i really like but the i don't see the tigers making a play, a play for is Lorius Worrell jr from arizona i mean he's gonna probably command a lot of quite a bit of money but that guy that would be a, a guy who would give him an offensive pop because he's a right hand like they're as much as we talk about lefties, 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 Tigers do need some right-handed power. I personally think that I would like for the Tigers to go after one power bat. I think just need one power bat, and that's it. I would be, I'd be fine with it if it's somebody that makes sense. Or Joy Ortiz from Baltimore, but again, I, I, I'll run that. out. I will, you know what? I don't care. I will run that. You know, because I, I, the Tigers have pitching. Baltimore needs pitching. Makes sense, but again, 
it's also common sense and yeah anyway whatever but as far as that goes I, I think if the Tigers do decide I think getting another reliever as somebody mentioned in the chat will be fine a starter and if they can get creative I, I would love to see a creative trade like I, I've been I've been saying this all off season long and I'd like and I'd like to continue that if a team comes up to you and says we want these pitchers and we'll give you a bat I'm hoping that the Tigers will hear them out on that because they are proving that they're 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 going to trade whomever they have to get to, to get to acquire the pieces. Mark Canna uh, is one part of it, but I think if if somebody else comes at you and blows you over with an offer, you should listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the one the one thing I guess we've learned from from Scott Harris's oh. trades is that he's not afraid to trade relievers, <laughs> right? Like, which is. Honestly, if you're going to trade anybody, that's probably the, the way to go because relievers uh, have a very short shelf life and, and they seemingly pop up from out of nowhere all the time. So uh, that's fine. But w- at some point, he's going to need to make a more substantial trade, I think, trading prospects for established big leaguers, uh, bigger ones, more than than a Blake Hollop for Mark Hanna deal. Well, it's just what year are they going to transition to making these trades and getting a player that you're going to put into your lineup versus yeah. someone you're going to put in double A and 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 be happy that he's hitting 320 <laughs> you know it's like hey we got something um like like i'm thinking about malloy you know um so what, can they get a guy that can put at third base tomorrow i don't know well i mean that's what they thought with mayton um yeah you know, you know it, it's uh, yeah but even uh, stuff above that you know I, yeah mm-hmm. you want somebody uh i don't know yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's more of like an Adamus or something like that. Like not necessarily he's going to set the world on fire on offense, but you know he's an established big leaguer with multiple years of performance, something like that. More maybe than a guy, than, yeah, hundred percent. Um, it it'll happen. I think. I, I don't think they're just never going to trade for somebody like that. I just I, it's. I know Tigers fans are all uh, antsy for it to happen, but you know they did. A reminder: they did fire the GM for a reason. Yeah, and the new GM wants to come in and, and, and try to set things right, and and you give him a little bit of time. And oh, no question. So far, so far, I think he's done fine, right? Like they they've they've made a lot of minor moves that seem to make sense. Uh, you know, the like the Mayton Veerling one for Soto didn't work out nearly as well as I think everybody had hoped. But again, I, I don't think they're necessarily missing Gregory Soto that much. He, he he was you know he's a quality arm, but they did fine in the bullpen last year. Yeah, uh, it just you know the guys they got for him didn't work out as well as you'd hope. Yeah, McCoskey. I mean, I, I do like what when we had McCoskey on last week as our bonus episode, and I thought they did a good job of, of just basically saying that it, it, there is small changes that people should be reminded of. But then again, you know, what I also think of too is I look at something like like it's interesting what the Brewers are doing right now, right? So they signed their top prospect, the number one prospect in all of baseball in baseball America. Yep. Uh, Jackson Churio, who I mean, he was ridiculous, ridiculous numbers for his age. They sent him to an eight year contract extension. That's yeah. that's saying, like, that's that's basically getting their market value right there. They're basically saying, you know what, you're gonna be our guy. You know, who's on the roster, Baltimore or for the Brewers, they could trade Willie Thomas. No, the Brewers yeah, are willing I, to trade anybody. Look, if the if the if Milwaukee comes to you and they're they've been recent trade partners with the Brewers. Uh, as of the last couple seasons, I would listen to Willie Adams. I know he plays short. I know he plays the same position as Will as Javier Baez, but I don't know you got to be be creative. 
that's what I like to see. Be creative. But I know Harris, the, the one thing I picked up on Harris so far is also he has, he likes, there's certain people he likes. He earmarks them and pays attention. And that was something that was apparent with the trade, the Philly for Lee. Um, or that's it. That, wait, wait, that's yeah, how you look? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They, they, they liked him before. Yep. And yep. it wasn't going to – so I think the Tigers have a certain set list. And, I mean, whatever the list is. So if the list is – I don't know. Like, it's just – I could see a folded list somewhere in Harris's pocket, right? <laughs> it's a folded. It's got a bunch of names on it. And he's just like – he keeps it to himself. It's just like, okay, are they following the list? And then only people know about the list. It's a fumpled piece of paper in his pocket. <laughs> or maybe it's a silent. You know what? Never mind. What am I talking about? Probably a some stylish uh, book like this. You know, one of these little writer books that somehow you look at the. You go to Barnes and Noble, and I guess it's got graph paper, and it costs forty five bucks. My guess it's in his notes app on his phone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're we're in the middle of the offseason here. We're we're kind of, you know, people want to see the Tigers go out and make a splash signing or a splash trade or something like that. But it, the Tigers have actually been one of the more active teams in the offseason, oddly enough. Um yeah, the Royals have signed a couple of people. The Yankees obviously traded for Soto. Um the Dodgers went out and got Otani, right? But like there haven't I I don't know if a, a team has the Tigers have added three players, three yeah. free agents. Or well, there's a one trade and two free agent signings, right? Right. I, I I don't know if there's a team that's done more than that, honestly, so far this offseason. Red, the Reds. I mean, the, the Reds. The Reds, have done. The, the Reds have signed. Uh, they Candelario. They signed a couple relievers. Pagan they signed Nick Martinez. And the, uh, Nick and, Martinez. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if there's been more than three for anybody. Um, yeah. I mean, you could you could count like the you know the five players the Padres got or whatever for for the for uh, Soto oh. and, and Grisham, but uh, or I'm sorry, yeah. Well, I, go ahead, Cooper. Sorry. Well, so it, the, yeah, but obviously, what they've done with these moves, I mean, they're, they're it's more of a bottom-up approach, right? They're kind of fortifying yeah. the back end of the roster um, versus the top end of the roster. So, and that's always going to be less sexy for everybody to watch. And I get it; uh, they're making incremental moves. They're in a division that's probably they can take a shot at even by taking these small moves, as long as a few things follow the right way. So. I don't want to sound like one of those impatient people. Spend money, spend money. I'm not that guy. I never have been. But I'm just at the point now where Chris Illich has to make the investment. He has to decide what he wants to be and where he wants to go. Uh, And he has to do that through Harris. So is this not the year? I don't, I I can, I understand the argument. But in terms of making an aggressive trade, we're going to see, you know, are they going to make small moves with the relievers or are they going to do something big here in the last couple months? I get the feeling it's going to be small. I don't know. I do like that idea of Edwin Arroyo because based off the fact that Cincinnati's got a embarrassment of riches in the infield. Imagine, yeah. I mean, look, look at being a Reds fan. Let's, let's stop for a second and realize the Reds farm system is pretty stocked and they got players that are so, they have to make their decision on players like that. Tigers don't have that luxury right now in terms of from an infield to a certain extent, eh, you know, not really because it was something like Justin Hammond Malloy really is at the end of the day is going to be a DH or a first baseman. 
maybe Tommy Outfield. He's not going to be a third base. Um, but I, I really think that that's where we're going to be standing right now is I think Tigers might do a couple of things here before the end of the year. But other than that, I mean, again, I would be shocked. I, I look, I would love to be, I love for the Tigers to come out and get a bat. I would, but I just think that I, I just looking at reading the tea leaves and hearing what we've, we've heard bats have not been a priority. but then again, Scott Harris also might be just having the best poker face of all time. Like, what if he's fooling us all? What if he's chasing a bat? We don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Very and that's, not, and, and that's a good thing, actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll find out in time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't expect to see any big splashy signings uh, or anything like that. I, I do think that when the time comes, Chris Illich will be willing to spend just, and that's just based on, on, on what happened with, Feelers last year, right? Like they spent a, a decent. They didn't go all the way in on Carlos Correa, but they spent a decent amount of money, like enough that you, you get the right signings for the amount of money they spent on Baez and Erod, and you're in a good good spot. Like you know, Erod when he was healthy and with the team, he pitched. I, I think he more than justified the amount of money they gave him. Um, you know, both of those. I always say this: so both of those deals were designed to be short-term, relatively inexpensive deals if they went right. Erod's went right. He left town. I think the plan was for always for him to leave town. I think yeah. the plan for Baez, in their minds, was he'll play two good years for us and leave. Uh, that backfired on him because that's that's the risk that's built into those kind of deals. Well, and, and, and that is, unfortunately, I mean, that's something that has to be part of the calculus if you go and trade, if you trade for a, a shortstop prospect. Javi Baez is your shortstop. Uh, you can move him to second base, um, but he's, you know, his only value right now is basically his his above average shortstop defense. Right. Uh, if you put him at second base, he might be a plus plus defender at second base, but it's still not as valuable as being an above average shortstop or a plus shortstop. So, I don't know. I, I mean, you don't want to let that route like you know control the moves you make, but it, it has to be a consideration because you've got him for four more years. I will say that at least at least two more years. I would well, say. Let's just say two, yeah, two years at least. But I will say that Chad in the chat said Keith and Malloy need some more season in AAA. I don't think Keith does. Malloy maybe in terms of getting more reps in the outfield. If you're talking about more reps in the outfield, all day Malloy. But I think Cole Keith, to me, that his second half numbers in Toledo are. If if we, we want to look at like I'm looking at this objectively, not because he's. If you look at what he was able to do in the in terms of power to and in, in, in hitting triple A, it wasn't like he was just like just lightly hitting. I mean, I, I think he just as far as his numbers go in the second half of the season, I this was the longest season he played because keep in mind he was coming back from injury and you thought he had a little bit of fade to him a little bit. But if anything, he for every time he had a bad game, he would come back. I mean the guy hit 327 in the month of August with seven home runs and drove in 25. I mean, he has an OPS over a thousand in the month of August after struggling. He hit a wall in July, hit 219 and then just came roaring back in August. Well, I, I think that's one thing we've seen from, from Colt Keith. And it's one of the things that, that is most encouraging about him. And this goes back to when he started in, in the Florida complex league uh, is, is he tends to struggle a bit at the start at a, of a new level. 
it happened when he came up to West Michigan at the end of uh, what was that, 2021? Yeah, 2021. Yeah. And and uh, and then even the beginning of 2020. But then after about three weeks, a month happened last year in Erie. He didn't. He didn't. You know, there was a, a whole story about he found out he was crouching down too much or something like that. He figures it out, and then he hits like crazy. Uh, and you know, you don't want to predict a guy to come up and, and just tear up the major league, major leagues because it's it's a huge jump. But I expect him to struggle for a month or two, uh, and then figure it out to the point where he's going to be at least an average offensive player, if not above average. So, um, I, I don't think more time in AAA is going to help him with that. He he figured out AAA, like you said. He he struggled that first month when he came up. He had a couple Titanic home runs, uh, and yeah. and then kind of struggled a little bit, and then caught fire. And and I think that's just who he's been as a hitter. He he, uh, he makes adjustments, and that's what you want to see from your your you know, real hitters. Honestly, like the reason why he's their number one prospect on our list is like numbers like this, where with runners in scoring position this year, he hit 366, 427, and 656 with OPS over a thousand. With runners in scoring position. It, 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 but even Toledo's dimensions, by the way, are kind of weird, left field and right field. So put in the consideration between that and Erie, he only hit two, 10 home runs on at home. Away from Erie and Toledo, he hit 327. That, to me, that's just like that's mind-boggling. And, and and to your point, like one of the like you know, when, when we talk about batting with runners in square position, that's just generally a small sample and can be a little bit skewed. But there have been hitters uh who make that work. You know, Maglio Ordonez that one year was 2007 where he yeah. hit 360 or whatever. He was just, just money with runners in scoring position. And we've seen Colt Keith, what he will do with runners in scoring position is he will just take the single the other way. Like he will, he won't hunt for the three run homer. He'll just take, he'll just knock a guy in. Yeah. And he's done that many, many times because he's got that ability. And I think we'll see that again in the big leagues once he finds his, his footing. And I, like I said, I think it's going to take him few weeks to a few months because that's just the way it is. And in the major leagues, is, it doesn't get tougher than that. But but I believe in his hitting ability that much. And by the way, just as a, a, plant, a sample size wise, that's over 103 play appearances, runners in scoring position, over two levels. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he was, what, 30, 35 for 103, 36, something like that. Yeah, like he he does. He, he's He's got great bat control and and it's a nice bat to be able to add to the lineup as we talk about like he's probably going to play second base um they may they may, you know aj hench they may play him second base against right-handed heavy lineups and then third base against left-handed heavy lineups so he's getting fewer theoretically getting fewer balls hit his way because they're not terribly confident in his glove uh, but they're going to want his bat in the lineup and and I can't see anybody. I don't. You know, maybe if he falls completely fat on his, flat on his face in, in spring training, he, they might you go with like Abanez, McKinstry, and Veerling. But uh, you know, he was pretty damn good in spring training last year, so uh, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, there's. And I do think he'll start opening day. Yeah, I think he will start opening yeah, day. I think yeah, so. I I think so too. I think he will be the opening day second baseman. I'm I just. He will win in camp. He same thing. Spring training last year. I mean, I witnessed sitting there with the beat writers. All of a sudden, Matt Manning goes up to pitch, and Cole Keith and just I mean, smokes it. Absolutely smokes a curveball that didn't do much, and just smoked it to right field. 
it was a shot. It was like, no, I think it was center. I'm sorry, it was deep center. It was still, a, I mean, it was a massive shot. And that's the thing, like, look, for how long we've been doing this and how long we've been watching prospects, I will. I, I can say this with 100% confidence. I have never seen a guy hit as well in the minor leagues at all levels in the Tigers minor league system like Cole Keith. I have not. I mean, Riley Green had his struggles here and there. Same thing with Spencer Torkelson. But Cole Keith has been the most consistent with power, with average that I've ever seen. I've ever seen. I mean, we were, again, we were pretty early about having them number one. And Baseball America had Max Clark. And rightfully so. Baseball America mm-hmm. can do whatever they want. JJ, we're going to we're gonna be talking about that with J.J. Cooper tomorrow. But, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> Cole Keefe should be number one. No. Uh, we Look, Cole Keefe is the Billy Jean of our list because he's been on there number one. He's held number one the longest because Riley Green, maybe I, I, if we've – you know what? Have we tra- kept have we kept track of that, Chris? We did. Well, that was I think in between our iterations of the Tigers minor league report. So we did we did a top thirty or top twenty five for Motor City Bengals. Oh yes, and we had Riley Green. We we had Riley Green ahead of Spencer Torkelson, which was against the grain at the time. Yes. Uh, and then we came back with the Tigers minor league report, and, and I don't think we had Keith number one to begin the year. Yeah. That that but it, it may have been. Torkelson or Green at that point, they might have still been, uh, you know, eligible for prospect lists. But by the middle of the year, it was Cole Keith. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's like, you know, who knows? You never know. There, there've been many, uh, you know, can't miss hitters who missed. Uh, but we feel really confident in Cole Keith's ability to hit, and we think that the Tigers feel the same way about him. And it's just a matter of, of you know, him him going on doing it. You per, your final thoughts on Keith because you did see him in in Iowa, right? Well, yeah, I've seen him play. Yeah. Um, I, my hope is they just let him, even if he struggles, just put him at second, leave him there. I mean, even if he's hitting 090 on April 20th, big deal, right? Let him play, let him go. I think that if they put him in the lineup on opening day, that means they're hopeful they can score a draft pick if everything went perfectly. (laughs) And that would always be, Pretty handy. Um, but I think that I agree with what you're saying. Uh, in all the years, especially the say this this side of the century, right? Name a minor leaguer they've had that hit better step by step throughout the way up. Frank Calinano. That's a brilliant pop. I mean, like I'm dead yeah. serious. Like in terms yeah, of sure that he I mean, he hit at every level. Gabe Kapler hit at every level, Curtis Grandison to a certain extent did. But he was also limited to couldn't do jack against lefties, which was then you know. But so I mean, they all had their limitations. They all right. had a yeah, but there's not many about Colt Keith. You know, we talked about that earlier in the year. Do you do you, do you want him to have a good strikeout rate? Yeah, okay, he got one. Does he walk? Yeah, he draws walks. Does he show power? Yeah, he does. Does he hit lefties? Yeah, he does. <laughs> so um, yeah. there's no reason to hold him back. Uh, barring even if he had a slow spring training, who cares? He's still one of their 10 best guys, probably put him in the lineup. Yeah. And, and look, the, the, the thing is you can be skeptical about his arm and, and Chris, you may, I mean, Chris, you've been on this since day one. I give you a lot of props about his arm at third base because his throwing motion is a little different. I'm, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it looked at times last year where he would almost drop down to sidearm, almost like, like, you know, we know he had a shoulder injury two seasons ago, and, and I think we think it reoccurred last year, not necessarily to the same extent, but it was probably barking at him. And it almost looks like he's had to alter his throwing motion and, and even his, uh, and then the, the, you know, he, he could still make the throws he has to, but it doesn't seem, it doesn't have that snap it used to. And um, that's why I think people project him more at second base down than third base. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be fine. You know, maybe, you know, below average defensively, but hopefully the bat makes up for it and you can get away with that uh, at second well, or third. And here's the thing, right? We all agree. I mean, and I, we all agree defense is important. No one's downplaying the importance of it, right? You got to have guys who can catch the ball. But fact of the matter is, if he can hit, he'll play. And I really believe the same. They really should take the same with Malloy. If the guy's going to hit, they got to let him play, right? They're, they're, he's going to put his way into the lineup because the team as a whole can't hit. <laughs> if you can hit, you should play. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit, a little bit tougher with Malloy just because I know uh, of of the outfield situation um, and and how how uh, poor he was at third base. Uh, you know, he was. He was worse than Maton was when when Maton was sent to Toledo for playing bad defense at third base, also for not hitting. Um, but yeah, no, I I tend to agree with you. You know, if, if these guys can hit, bring them up to the big leagues, and you know, they can they they got plenty of time to practice and try to get better on defense in the big leagues. Um, so exactly. So by the way, I'll leave you with this moment of Zen from the Baltimore Orioles because John Angelos is. Becoming the uh, wow cow of the show. It used to be Jeffrey Loria, the former owner of the Expos <laughs> in Marlins. Well, congratulations. John Angelos is heading to that department. So the Orioles have a list of wants in the, for understanding what, the, what they're trying to do right now with the governor and the, the, the $600 million plus plan they're trying to do. So this is what John Angelos wants. He wants complete control of how the $600 million is spent through the elimination of the stadium authority's statutory role and making sure the stadium is maintained in a, in a manner designed to extend its useful life. All right. Okay. Elimination of authority-ran procurements and the resulting protections for minority business enterprises and prevailing wage through the dismantling of the authority's statutory role in owning and maintaining Cameron Yards. Okay, so you also want to all right, all right. elimination of the board of public works role in improving how and approving how the state dollars are spent. Hmm. In other words, he doesn't want any authority to tell him what to do because that's what he's not he's used to. A development agreement in a, that essentially gives the Angelos family control of the significant portion of the Cameron Yards complex for ninety nine years for ninety nine years. Wow! Even if they sell the team, that <laughs> is. What what kind of dick? All right. Wow. Well, wasn't wasn't there move, uh, word last week that they were looking to sell? Yeah, there's been word about that. By the way, and there's two more things too: a below market rent on the development properties and no upside for the state, leaving it all with the downside risk and more money through at least a hundred million dollar operating subsidiary over thirty years. What a f- wow! Clown. What a clown. 
Wonder how much of it they'll get. And, you know, meanwhile, the Ravens just announced upgrades to their MT Stadium. And, yeah, and I think I'm not sure how they're fronting that, but, you know. So, anyway, I'll leave you with that. Yeah. One thing I heard tonight, did you see the breaking news on Wander Franco? No. No, I, I was curious about what's been up with him. He traveled back to the Dominican. And the word on that is they they're invest they feel the investigation must be over and he's not going to get charged because otherwise he never would have went back. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think not. Right. So now they're thinking that he went back, so he might be getting cleared or maybe he settled with somebody over there, you know? And, that's, uh, that's, I've always kind of felt it is, is uh, maybe as bad as this sounds. I always felt like that was something that was probably going to be resolved with money one way or the other. Um, so then it'll be a matter of what does MLB want to do to him, uh, if anything. Yeah. And, and it depends. Yeah, I guess it depends on, on what they find. I, I know the Julio Urias, uh, you know, investigation is wrapped up. So I would imagine that that his is, is coming soon too. And if uh, yeah, it feels like that he'll probably be suspended. Um, well, he missed twenty five games last year. The first person I read about is thinking about is that going to be? Are they going to give him that as time served? You know, I think, I, I think they will count that toward time served. I would bet that he gets another fifty on top of it, or a half a season, or something like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends. It also depends on what details come out. Like, even yeah. you know, if they can keep this under wraps, uh, and and you know, maybe that's twenty five games is enough. If the details come out and it's particularly uh, damning, then I could see Major League Baseball going pretty, uh, you know, a big suspension. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know that's uh, you know, he, that kind of the, the Rays were quick to remove all of the signage featuring him, and it looked pretty rough. So, well, I mean, it's the one player they finally decide to invest major cash in, and this yeah. happens, which is horrible. And if he did it, it's, it's awful. Um, yeah. So, but. You know, it's a big story. It's a big story. It doesn't get a lot of press. I mean, you know, that's a, a fairly big, but big, a possible big star in baseball sidelined by something ugly like this. I mean, yeah. the Julio Reyes situation, too. They're trying to clear him right now. I mean, that's a mark. Julio, a name that Urias. Yeah. yeah did I say yeah. Rodriguez? I, I didn't. I hope I didn't say Rodriguez. I, no, I, no, I, no, no, Urias no. The Dodgers get a, a second domestic violence incident, I believe, in, yeah. in public. Yeah, it was pretty ugly, and they they removed things pretty quickly. And so I'm just wondering if he's going to have to go to Korea or something along those lines and and pitch. But that would be a name that right now would be on top of anybody's list. But real quick, uh, the John Angels called the mayor, the governor, on Thursday night last Thursday to reiterate that they are not intending to sell the majority stick in the Orioles. So according to a couple sources, uh, okay. But, yeah, I mean, bad. Yeah. <laughs> you look for all the complaint you can talk about Chris Dillage and all that. At least you're not John Angel. No, John Angelos put an announcer on the mat over. You were the laughing stock of everyone in baseball yep. because you told your broadcaster who was pointing out how they were not winning in Tampa and they started winning. That is a, to me. I, yep. I I I thought that was an Onion article. To this, it was one of the most Worst, one of the strangest and stupidest stories I've ever read. Yeah, in 2023, if we're doing a 2023 wrap up for the podcast this year, I'm putting it on my good, the bad, the ugly. It's on my ugly 
it's the best of my ugly because that <laughs> that whole thing is ridiculous. So, all right. So there it is. Michael, thank you. I knew I knew forgot Michael is a Baltimore native. The Ravens and Orioles have access to $600 million funds from the state to upgrade. The Ravens had plans to approve for upgrades while the Orioles want more than $600 million to create his new revenue streams. What a dick. Seriously, what a dick. Just come on, man. Just. All right. On that moment of sin. On that note, thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. And if you are not busy tomorrow around 2 o'clock, we are going to have the editor-in-chief from Baseball America, J.J. Cooper, on the Tiger Mind League Report. And he joins us at 2 o'clock to talk about the, his top 10, the Baseball America's top 10. And we're going to do a base, you know, if we're going to do a worst owners. We should do a poll for that later. Later, That's actually, you know what, we'll probably do something like that for that. But uh, then Thursday, like I said, special guest. It's a, I'll, I'll, I, mean, I cannot wait to tell people on this, but it is probably our, it's, it's our biggest, let's just say this. It's a, it's a name you know, or you should know, and they work in Major League Baseball. That's all I can tell you. A molder of talent. Yes. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say. I mean, if, you know, and look, if it was Scott Harris, I would say something. But I, I imagine Scott Harris. Andre Brower? No. Yeah, Andre Brower right. died. Yeah, a couple hours ago. No. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. Well, that's a bummer of a way to end a podcast for me. He was. Fantastic actor. Definitely. His, his picture will be on the in memoriam thing at the Oscars this year, no doubt. Man, what a bummer. Yeah. Wait, is it the guy from Brooklyn 911? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I, really? That homicide. sucks. He was, yeah, oh, man. He was, so, he was so good in Homicide. No, Michael, thank you for Michael's the pillar of this, uh, our podcast. He's been a long time listener and always does a good work. It just pops in, grip on it. That's a bummer. Man, that's oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's an iconic role. Yeah, oh, I only, only know him, Yeah, I only know him from Brooklyn, from that, from Brooklyn Nine Nine Nine. I I did watch Homicide a few times, but that's... Homicide is kind of the precursor to The Wire. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, oh, okay. David Simon and and it's about the Baltimore Homicide Department. And it was a, a terrific yeah. show. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He. That's yeah, he made the. Yeah, that's that sucks. I mean, he was also yeah, he wasn't Glory. That's right. But Denzel mm-hmm. Washington and Matthew yeah. Broderick. He was the guy with the glasses yeah. in Glory. Oh yeah, the oh yeah, he's oh, good God. in the mist. Oh, the mist, man. There's an ending for you. Oh God, I love depressing movies, and that is one of the more depressing endings of all time. Yeah, <laughs> not, to, not was... to spoil it for anybody, but uh, oh yeah, in the yeah. book, it's very similar to the book ending too, which is so yeah. But anyway, all right, like I said. Stay tuned for every uh, the minor league report the next couple days. We got some uh, prospect reports coming out tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. So, yeah. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Right, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.